This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're going back in our archive to 2014 where we have a hangout with Steph Liston from Revelation Church in London. In this hangout, Steph will be talking about how it's the promises of God that shape the vision of a church plant. You can find this full hangout including a Q&A with Steph and also all the notes at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 12. Now we start this hangout just a minute or two after Steph started speaking so we're going to pick it up right now. For 40 years in the wilderness it gave him it gave him the necessary perseverance. His whole life was shaped by God's promise. Um, all the prophets fed on the promises of God and um, called God's people back to those promises Jesus understood himself in light of what he heard from God, in light of scriptural promises, and obviously also in light of his very real sense of um, what the Spirit was saying to him. He knew when to avoid Jerusalem. He knew when to go to Jerusalem. He knew what would happen to him when he got to Jerusalem. Um, He was constantly living out of um, a sense of what God was speaking uh, to him. Um, In the book of Acts, we see Paul's life shaped by the promise from God that he was a chosen instrument to reach the Gentiles. Uh, and that he would suffer a lot. So obviously Paul's got this promise, I've chosen you to reach the Gentiles and you're going to suffer. So then Paul knows what to do with his life. Okay, He knows what to do with his time now. I'm going to reach Gentiles with the gospel and I'm going to suffer. It makes sense of his experience. Everything becomes clear because of what God has spoken. So I want to draw your attention to the fact that in the book of Acts that, that we have a mixture of Old Testament promises, scriptures, um, clear commands from Jesus, Uh, and also charismatic utterances by people like Agabus and others, and they form the steering column for the church. Those are the things that determine the direction of the church. So we also have the promises of the Old and New Testament, the Bible, and we have prophetic, charismatic utterances also. We are um, to be pumped with God-given dreams and visions So that's the kind of mix, the kind of feel that should be um, shaping who we are, shaping who our churches are. And just to say, to be honest as well, you know, particularly at the church plant phase, really what's happened is is God is making certain individuals promises and um, others are recognizing that God has spoken to that person or that couple or that core team and are gathering to that. They're gathering to a sense of God's quickening and God's direction on those people. And so in the very, very early stages of a church plant, the whole thing really exists in the heart of the leader or the heart of the leaders. It, it's not yet, it doesn't really exist outside of that. But people gather because when they hear it spoken about it, it, it smells authentic. The flavor is God's in this. God has made it clear that he's made some promises here. We can get behind this. This isn't just good ideas. It isn't just sound bites, not just clever ideas that rhyme or start with the same letter. This is God speaking, and we want to gather to it. 
Um, that is very, very uh, compelling. I think people gather to that. Um, the whole idea of vision, I'm going to say some provocative things on that. You haven't got to agree with me, but it should get you talking. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a new idea. It's a new model that every church um, should have its own, in quotes, uh, vision. Um, I would say that if your vision really is a mixture of a contextually relevant way of articulating the Great Commission, number one. So a way of articulating the Great Commission that fits for where you are, plus a concise way of drawing together the promises from God that you have, fine. You're on good, safe ground. Your steering column is the Lord. Things he's spoken in the Bible and things he's given to you prophetically. Uh, I would say anything that tends to move beyond that uh, is uh, you're on you're on ground that's not as sure. You're probably on thinner ice, but we can do a bit of that in Q and A. Okay, I want to I want us to focus on. I'm going to talk a bit about um, our story, but more anecdotally, I, I'm going to build it on Abraham. I want us to look. There's some very very important principles from this uh, example of a man whose whole life is shaped by promise. He's a pioneer. So Abraham goes out and there's nothing there, uh, which is brilliant for church planters. It is the, he's the perfect model because obviously what we do is we go out and there's nothing there. But we've got promises. That's really what we're armed with. And, uh, and likewise, um, Abraham's the same. So I want to just draw out some, some uh, principles from Abraham's life. Um, firstly, I would say this. Uh, in Genesis 12, we get this uh, promise um, with not much detail. Go to the place I'll tell you, all right? There's no location. Just go. I'll tell you where it is, you know, at some point. Um, but I'm going to bless the whole world uh, through you. Um, this is very, very important because Abraham got moving with what he had. Um, if people had began to press him for details, he would have struggled. He may have started sweating. He may have felt the pressure to come up with something more, but he didn't have anything more. God said go, and he got moving. This is what we did. Um, there was a very clear sense of go. I think the, that sense to uproot and leave has to be clear, but it doesn't have to be detailed to get moving. Um, you don't need all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed before you get moving. I think you come to a place where you have more faith to go than to stay. More faith to get moving than to stay uh, where you are. And uh, God honors that. God will honor that. Because once you know it's him, um, you know that, he, well, he, if it's him, then he's given me all I need for now. He's given me enough to be getting on with. Um, enough to be praying into. Enough to be making some decisions on. So I think it's firstly important just to say that people can get very hung up on details and get very hung up on why hasn't God revealed more? Why isn't he given us the whole picture? Well, look at what Abraham had. He got going with a very um, uh, well, broad brushstroke command to go. Secondly, um, the initial promise given to Abraham was being caught up in the global picture. It was about the whole, every people group if as a the temptation for the church plant is to be consumed with his church plant 
that is a temptation, that it's everything, that it's all you think about, that you live and you breathe it. To some degree, that's fine and normal, but to another degree, it can cross the line into something unhealthy. No, you are caught up into something that is global, something much bigger than your church plant is going on. Jesus is building his church. Uh, and so the most the helpful thing to recognize with Abraham's initial call is that it's in the context of blessing for the whole globe. So to keep that at the fore is very, very important, um, not just the little mini detailed promises. Next thing to say is this, is that as Abraham got on the way, there were then more promises and more confirmations that came bringing further shape. So he's moving now which I'm, I think most of you are. I don't know where you're at in your stages. But once you're moving, you are, you, you're then in an environment where you are looking for God to come in and confirm what he's already said and for God to even make new promises and bring more and more shape um, to what is going on. Um, so he's, he's rooted. He's, he's where he is because of what God's already spoken, but he's dependent on God for what is next. Um, I think this is a, God's very clever way of keeping us walking with him. Uh, sometimes we want the whole story downloaded, but I think if that was to happen, we would move into, right, thanks, Lord. <laughs> I've got I've got what I need now and get into independent mode, which most of us are quite prone to. Um, uh, but it keeps us dependent on him. What's next? What's next? That should be the dynamic of our lives and of our walk. I think church planters often want something comprehensive to say to people that sounds very convincing. But you have to be satisfied to simply talk about what you have. I remember in the early days trying to recruit people for the church plant. They say, what's the vision? And that point always starts sweating. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> uh, Matthew 28. Um, you know, uh, I know God's called us to go. This is where we feel we should be going. God's with us. So some good things are going to happen. And um, you didn't always feel that impressive. Uh, and sometimes thought, oh, gosh, I wish I had more to say, a little poem or something. Um, but our testimony is that God brings the right people to us. We haven't got to be salespeople um, in order to be fruitful for God. Hallelujah. Um, there's this uh, another promise comes to him on the way about this land that had been promised to him not being given to him for another 400 plus years. Genesis 15. Wow. Uh, I don't know how many of you, you guys in Swansea, you know, you believe, you believe in God for, a, uh, you know, a, a vibrant church plant there in 400 years. Do you know, I was like, man, what, what, what's going on here? Well, you see, um, what this does is it, it helped Abraham on a number of levels. It helped him to live peacefully as a nomad. He was called to be a nomad. He was called to travel around. So for his calling, this really helped him. He didn't get worked up about what have I got in the here and now. It helped him, and it was a beneficial thing for him. Um, you see, when you have promises like that, for example, it brings peace to you to do unexpected things and to you and for you not to do expected things. It releases you to do what you are called to do. It, it breaks you out of just a kind of a cloning kind of model. We want to stay away from... Um, from that, you know, someone might have said, Abraham, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you buying the land? You know, uh, you see, you may have a particular burden from God. You may feel God's spoken to you very powerfully about local church unity. You know, you may be moving to a certain town or city or part of the city and think you've got a real passion for the other churches in that area, as well as your own church plant. You might think, gosh, is that a bit strange? Is that a bit unusual? Should I, you know, but it might be a God thing. 
It's part of God's promise for you. It's part of the inheritance for your church plant to be a bridge builder with other gospel-believing churches. Because of that, it, it may mean you do unexpected things. It may mean that even in your earliest days, you give one or two really good people to other local churches. Oh, that's unexpected. But if you're living in the promises, and if you know that's something you're pumping with, you can do it. And so to be open to God for him to say things that may be a little bit unusual is actually very releasing. And it allows what you're doing to take um, the, the blueprint that God has uh, rather than just jump into the conclusions. This is how you do it. God's got a shape for your church. It's Jesus's church. He will build his church. It's not yours. <laughs> it's not yours. It's his. Uh, I love that. Um Second, oh, not secondly, probably seventhly by now. Um, Abraham learned through the Hagar incident. So the incident with Hagar, you know, Sarah says nothing's happening. No, no baby's coming through, you know, through my womb. Um, sleep with Hagar. And we all know what happened there with Ishmael. Abraham had to learn that you cannot bring about God's promises by yourself. When God gives you a promise, you don't bring it about. The Lord fulfills his promises. This is a really important thing. And when we get into practicalities at the end of the uh, message tonight, <coughs> hopefully you'll see um, how important principles like this are. We're told that we inherit promises. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. But we don't bring them about. We don't bring them to fruition. Um, and so our role in it is not passive. Faith and patience. We believe God and we keep believing God. Very active, but we don't bring it about. There's a lovely verse in the Bible where Solomon says, Lord, what you have promised with your mouth, you will fulfill with your hand. I love that. He promises it and then he brings it to pass. It's a very, very important dynamic there. Um, I love the idea that this promise that came to Abraham uh, gripped him in such a way and uh, gathered, he, he knew that he'd been gathered, gathered up into a divine plan which propelled him into deeper and deeper devotion. This is really important. It wasn't just a pragmatic, oh, I've got a promise that God's going to do this. He was, I've been caught up in the purposes and the plan of God. Um, so when Abraham sends his servant to go and find a wife for Isaac, is whatever happens, don't let Isaac go back to where I came from. There's this very deep and quite, um, almost quite scary uh, urgency in Abraham. You must, he mustn't go back there. Why? Because we've been called out. We've got a promise to go. We don't go back. Now, when we live with this sense of divine promise as church planters, it means we don't get to give up. We just, it's not an option. Um, we've been through some very difficult seasons as a church plant. Uh, I just don't, I, I don't consider that I have the option to give up because I didn't start it because he called me to do this. And until he tells me your role is done, I don't get to stop. Um, there's a devotional element that is um, developed because of this promise. Um, I'm under constraint. It's not just a good idea. God has spoken. No turning back, no matter what. Unless I disqualify myself, of course. But other than that, no turning back, no giving up. It's just not an option. It actually really brings real security. We've had people join our church who say things like, you know, our last pastor, Upton, went 
are you going to do the same? And I just say, I'm not allowed. <laughs> I'm, it's not about it's not about whether it's going well or not going well. It's, I'm, I'm simply not allowed. Um, God's called me here. Uh, so that's that's something very strong that promise brings. Um, I love this element. This is an amazing one. When it came to the promises, Abraham never knew how they would be fulfilled. He only he only knew this. He knew who would fulfill it. So we have a saying in our house, not how, but who. We never know how. We tend to think when we get a prophetic promise from the Lord that we know how it's going to happen. We plan it all out in our minds, even if we don't say anything. Um, but, you know, we never know how. We only know who. This is so important because what about... What about all these promises about his son? And then he's got his son. And then God says, OK, now offer him up. You see, at that point, if you're rooted in the how, you're going to you're going to get paralyzed or you're going to panic or you're going to freak out. But we're told Abraham, Abraham considered, well, God will bring him back from the dead. See, so what's going on there is that he's he's just utterly fixed on who he's the God who's able to bring back from the dead. So I'm not going to get into too much detail on how God's made a promise. He is going to fulfill it. So when everything looks like it's not going to be fulfilled, it doesn't matter. He has said he is faithful and he is able. So the point I'm trying to make is, is when our whole church plant is built on the promises of God, we're on very safe ground. Very, very safe ground. It's not just good ideas. It's God has spoken. He will fulfill it. Um, a couple more. Uh, the, the, the validation of Abraham's life is that he lived by faith in the promises of God. That can't be bettered. If, if what is written over you in heaven is that you, you believe God for the promises and ordered your life in light of that, you are successful. I don't mind if your church never reaches more than 10 people, you're successful. Um, Abra Abraham's life can't be measured by accomplishments. He didn't accomplish anything. What did he do? He had a kid. That was it. So it's, an, it's quite a releasing thing. I remember this moment in my life where we were running this, I guess it's kind of like a little mini alpha in the home and it wasn't going well. People were dropping like flies. No one wanted to know. It was going from bad to worse. And I remember I, I was at these traffic lights stopping on my bike and I was just thinking, God, have I got it wrong? <laughs> God, am I the problem? No one's getting to say, is it me? And I was really getting introspective and analytical. You know how you can. And it was just a beautiful moment where I suddenly, my mind went to Abraham and I thought to myself, well, what did he do? What did he accomplish? I thought, well, not much really. He just believed God and kept going. And I suddenly, it was just like a sense of huge encouragement. Actually, that's what I'm going to do. At that moment, a cyclist came up from behind, uh, cycled in front of me and stopped directly in front of me. And on the back of his T-shirt, it said, Stay focused and keep hacking. And I thought, yeah, okay, that's what I'll do. And it's quite a releasing thing, really, that my life is validated by the fact that I believe God for his promises and order my life in light of that, and I look to him to fulfill them. That's my success. Um, last but one, Abraham's vision, if you want to talk about vision, was eternal. We're told only one thing about his vision, and that is that he was looking to the city that has foundations. He was gripped with that. Uh, this is a very challenging point. Um, I think we can pay lip service to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, of course, of course, of course. But what, what are we really gripped by? No, no, no. He was gripped by the eternal city. Yeah. That's what he was looking for. He wasn't looking for uh, 
Jerusalem as we know it. He was looking for the new Jerusalem. Um, this will affect things greatly. If you've got an eternal vision, if you haven't got an eternal vision, it will impair your hearing of God. Um, that's true vision. And that is the vision that the promises really serve. God gives us promises and it serves that vision. There's an eternal city that is being built. And somehow it correlates with the building of the church on earth. I don't know how it works, but this new Jerusalem that's going to come down, it's like a bride. It's the same as the church. So somehow what we do in our labors for Christ on the earth are kind of represented in heaven with these glorious wonderful precious stones and somehow what we do there goes towards what's being built up there and one day that's going to come down and heaven meets earth um that we must be gripped by that um it will enable us to invest in people it will enable us um not to just get worked up with bricks and mortar or you know just measuring things in an earthly way it will really really help us um uh final thing to say uh just with reference again to that the the, the, the promise about inheriting the land in 400 years it, it, i would imagine that that would have really to have an intergenerational element in the promise would enable abraham to build in an intergenerational way and i feel that um we are a very now in the way we think we don't tend to think about the legacy for our spiritual sons daughters grandsons granddaughters but i feel that it'd be very wise to have an intergenerational element to what we're doing and to really think of what we are putting in place for those who come after us. Um, so I want to just get just get practical quickly now. I'm going to speak for five minutes on keeping the promises primary uh, and then five minutes on how we really, the importance of that and the five minutes on, on, on using those promises in, in church life and then we'll open up for questions. So the importance of, uh, of keeping them primary um and again when i talk about promises i'm talking about scriptural promises and i guess maybe you could say there may be some you feel particularly that god has quickened to you uh quickened to you and and serve as a very uh foundational to your church but also things that people have uttered prophetically obviously sometimes people prophesy scripture that's great we want more of that so there's this blend but that's when i talk about promises i'm talking about the whole sweep so keeping them primary. Well, if you keep the promises primary in the life of your church plant, that will go a long way to keeping the church plant dependent on God. Okay? Because as I said earlier, what he promises, only he can fulfill. Um, so the church plant has to learn how to pray in the promises. The church plant has to learn to live with these impossible things that they can never accomplish, that they can never just work out. God's said it. He's confirmed that it is him. So, you know, often these things will come more than once. It's confirmation. We've got enough to lean our whole weight on. But now as a people, we're looking to you, God. And so the culture of the church is one of dependence upon God. If you keep the promises primary in talking about them and praying about them, then you develop a people that are dependent on God. It's very wonderful. Um Keeping the promises primary will go a very long way to keeping the whole life of the church spiritually dynamic. It will keep you from dropping into just what's manageable. Oh, look, let, let's just do that because we know we've got that much money in the bank. Or let's just do that because, well, we've got people with those kinds of skills. Those things aren't wrong. 
Um, but if that's all you're doing, you can degenerate. You can you can drop down into something very manageable. There's no longer inexplicable marks to the church life. There's no longer things that people look at and scratch their head and say, how did that happen? And that's what you want in the life of your church. You want things that people say, we don't quite know how that happened. It must have been the Lord because that's outside of what any of us saw coming. Um, and again, I'm not against planning. I'm not against sk- using skills on any of those things. But if it's just that, uh, then then we're probably not quite where we need to be. Um, I would speak to you for a moment as those who are leading. Um, it, it, keeping the promises primary will keep you straight. And you need to be kept straight, particularly when you're in that season where it's up in the air. There's not much to see with the eyes. Is anything happening here? It, it will stop you from relying on princes. You know, the psalmist says about, you know, I don't want to rely on princes, you know, kind of uh, uh, impressive people. Um, I'd rather trust in the Lord. Um, it will keep you talking to God. It will keep you saying, Lord, how are we, what, where? <laughs> if you said, then you're going to need to provide because it keeps you in great uh, living dialogue with the Lord. Um it will be a brilliant plumb line when unexpected things come along. You think, God, what's expecting that? But you think, actually, does it line up? What has, what has God said? Or, or if things you expected don't happen, you think, hold on, you go back to what's God said. You know, you have to, as leaders, go back to what's God said. You always have to do that because um, you can drift from that without meaning to. What has God said? Um, it's always important to be able to articulate that um, prophetically. What's come through? What scriptures have really really been quickened so that's the benefits of keeping it primary and then finally just to practically how do we use the promises um at prayer meetings when we pray obviously um our prayer meetings ought to be you said prayer meetings is a kind of a reverent boldness where we hold god to his promises you said and you're faithful you said and you're able um lord someone so said this i said it was from you and then a year later, someone so who didn't know that person said that, so it must be you because it's confirmed. And now, Lord, we don't, we have no way to fulfil it. So now, Lord, what you've spoken with your mouth, please fulfil with your hands. So you, you that you use them in the prayer meetings. Um, it, it will keep your prayer meetings in a place of uh, God-centeredness, faith, rootedness. Keep you away from just vague. Keep, it will keep you specific. That's really, really important. Um, it, how do you use them? You use the, the promises to form the very DNA of the church. Okay, church plant phase. What you put in now at this phase becomes the culture of the church, right? So you put in the DNA. Um, so you say, okay, we are gathering to what God has spoken, not what man has dreamt up. Okay, we're gathering to the Word of God. We're gathering to this revelation. We're gathering to supernatural utterances. Uh, not just charism- uh, you know, not just um, charismatic personalities with good ideas. Um, this is very, very important. So use them to uh, use them to speak. Keep speaking them. Keep speaking them. Keep speaking them. You put it into the DNA of the church. That which you speak about, um, people will get into their spirit, and it will become the very nature of the church. Um, uh, how else can you use the promises to help you know what to focus on? As a people, there's so many good ideas, so many books, so many suggestions, so many inspiring people that are doing this. You think, oh, yeah, I want to do that too. How do you know what to focus on? Well, what's God said? Um, you know, particularly if you've got vocal people in the church, people, you know, the loudest voice always wins. 
if if you're not gathered to what God has said. Now, what's what is God said? It keeps you keeps you streamlined, keeps you from just going off a scattergun. You know, there are times people have come to us and say, can we do this? And it's like, well, do you know what? It sounds like a good idea, and I don't want to stop you doing it, but I don't feel it's something that God has spoken to us about owning as a church. And so you can just, the very gracious and honest way of being able to say, we can't just buy into that. It helps you with people that are enthusiasts, you know, people that just get enthused about things. No, 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 we're not driven. That's not enough. We're driven by what God said. Um, it helps. Promises help us get, bring us to repentance. I'll give you a really funny example of how that happened to me. I, I'm from a sort of working class background, which tends to create an inverse snobbery. We tend to be a bit uh, snobbish, but in the opposite direction. Sort of, uh, it's a strange thing. But anyway, when I grew up, where I grew up, no one went to university at all. Just no one did. It's a council estate, and you know, I don't know, just didn't happen. And I kind of had this like, bad attitude towards students. Uh, it was kind of an inverse snobbery. It was just wrong. And it wasn't explicit or malicious, but it was just kind of ingrained and subtle. And there was this... Uh, uh, after I became a Christian, I actually did go to uni, but only for a year. And then I flunked. And um, make it worse, you know. And then I remember there was this incredible moment, just in the formation stage of the church plant, where I was having a conversation with someone who just finished their degree, and he said to me, did you go to uni? And I said, well, I did go, but, you know, it didn't work out. I don't know what that was about. And then I walked off, and within about three minutes, this prophetic man I knew came up to me. He didn't. He was not around the conversation I'd just been in at all. He said, I've got a word for you. He says, God says to you, just because you gave up as a student, don't give up on students. And then he started prophesying about God was going to bring along a load of students to us as a church and I was going to be able to train them and equip them and send them out. And it was a moment where God just totally dealt with, I just repented, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, dealt with all of that. And it's so straightened my head out and um, actually went for it with both hands. And we've seen, we've seen that happen and it's been wonderful. So, you know, we use the promises to actually straighten out our own attitudes where they're not kingdom, but where they're just prejudiced. Um, and then finally, we use the promises to celebrate. Look, God said he was going to do that, and he's done it. Let's dance around the room and do some high fives. You know, let's not just move on to the next thing. Hold on a minute. You know, you look at Abraham, he sets these memorials up. You know, God has spoken. Well, look, God has spoken and God has done it. And so we, we rejoice together. We, we say, look, you know, if we send someone out, you know, we, by God's grace, we've been able to send a number of people out to do amazing church planting works, etc. Tom being one of them. So, when we would do that, we would refer to, look, God said in our earliest days that we would be like an Antioch sending church. God is fulfilling his promise. You, you root it in what God has said. So, again, the whole thing, that you just create an environment that is pumped, charged with the word of God, celebrating, hungry for more, people expecting to hear God. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. We hope you enjoyed this hangout and found a lot that you can apply into your own church plant. Just to remind you, for the full notes on the hangout, as well as the Q&A with Steph, you can visit www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 12. Also at thebroadcastnetwork.org, you'll find lots of other hangouts, lots of other articles and church planting resources. We hope you find something useful to you and you could also sign up for updates about hangouts that are coming up in the future.